Hey guys, before we get started today, I want to send you to reformcon.org to tell you about a conference we are speaking at. It is happening October 27th through the 29th in Mesa, Arizona. Yes, obviously we will be there and there is a series of other wonderful speakers. Uh, We'll have Toby Sumter. Jeff Durbin, your dad, Summer. Yes. Uh, I'm really excited for David Bonson, uh, Joe Boot, Andrew Sandlin, John Sampson, Ben Merkel, and more. Um, there on the website, you can also find uh, ticket information. There are family packages, uh, general admission, child admission. There is a VIP after party event that you can also purchase tickets to, as well as information on the hotel that the event is being held at. So that is all at reformcon.org, and we're excited to meet you guys there. Yep, come see us. Have you had your soup today? The cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her and the she in impoverisher. <laughs> it ends with the sure, which is both. Right. This is a two for one, you guys. I can take next week off, all right? <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Stop complaining. All right. <laughs> My name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. And um, yeah, you know, I I don't have a fun uh, would you rather die by burning or drowning question for you (laughs) this week. Um, I'm so sweaty and uncomfortable that either one sounds okay at this moment. (laughs) You're like one... Both feel like they're happening. But I feel like both are happening actually. burning alive but also drowning in sweat. Whew, man, it's a hot one. Toasty. Yes, I can't believe. I need more. I like. Yeah, just I'm, hug your water. Yeah, well. it's cool. Like there's cold water in it, <laughs> so it like feels nice. It's also the size of my torso. Yeah, because that's how much. That's how big of a water bottle. <laughs> if I you need. cradled it, you could prepare. <laughs> I could for prepare. a little ransom to come. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I can't believe I'm having a baby. Well, I guess maybe when this comes out. Can you believe you just had a baby? No, I can't. I can't believe this is happening, actually, <laughs> this whole thing. I'm 33 years old. I know how this happens. And I'm still like, what? Right. <laughs> What's happening? It's so weird. It's pretty amazing. It's like every pregnancy, you're just like, there's a person in there? Mm-hmm. A whole... Right. Well, and like, it goes... Person? It go- Like, the the science of what's happening in there stays the same, but it's going to be a different person than the last time you had a person. So weird. And they're going to, I mean, it's crazy. Going to have a different gender. I did not know if I can take a little excursus down this thought. Um, I did not know until birth class last week Mm -hmm. that what's happening in a contraction is that essentially the bottom of your uterus mm-hmm. and your cervix are moving up. Yeah. 
Like it's building up towards the top mm-hmm. so that it can push down. Yep. I had no idea. Yeah. That's why if you That's horrifying. were like in a coma, you could still have a baby because your body would just eventually do contract your yeah. Mm-hmm. But the fact that like your cervix is not it's not like just dilating. It's right. like literally getting out of the way. It's going out and back. Yeah. It's like did you watch the balloon and the ping pong ball video? No. So that's the thing that some people do is they like they put they fill up a balloon and put a ping pong in the bottom and then you kind of like push back and up. like push back and up. And that's like very similar to what's this is my eventually the ping pong ball come like pops out and it's a fun visual aid. Are you guys all having fun? (laughs) I'm not having fun. (laughs) Um, Not enjoying it at all. I was dizzy for hours after that class. Days, maybe. This is how pregnant I am, though. You know that country song? She's in love with the boy. Yeah. By Mm -hmm. Trisha Yearwood. Uh Okay. I was listening to it because sometimes when I like need to get a lot of cleaning done, I need a lot of oh, yeah. nostalgia in yeah. my ears. Mm-hmm. And um, either that or diving stories, diving stories yep. or that. <laughs> and uh, so I have this, I have this like nineties music playlist because it reminds me of my childhood. Cause I grew up in Arizona in mm-hmm. the nineties anyway. And I was, so this Trisha Yearwood song I mean, I've been listening to it since I was three and I was listening to it, loading the dishwasher and singing along. And at the end, I like the moral of the story was just essentially like this girl is in love with this boy, but her dad didn't really like him. And then the wife comes in and is like, remember what my my dad was skeptical of you, too. And I still love you all these years later. And then I started bawling my eyes. <laughs> I'm like tearing up telling you. I can see. Like, Why? <laughs> story i'm so pregnant like i'm so hormonal yeah that and i'm like just loading dishes like oh they're still in love so <laughs> and this song i've heard 300 times an admission that's like me on a tuesday <laughs> <laughs> just any given tuesday just every day you don't cry every day no i like I at don't. least once a day oh just like Think over something, something sweet. nice yeah <laughs> no anything sad in a no. movie Mm-mm. a song um just like a thought a fake conversation i had in my head. i'm gonna play this song for you guys at the end of this episode <laughs> and I, i'll have to take my headphones off so i can't cry again right what no i don't um although this thing has been happening to me lately where it's not like a it's not like a like an indulgent cry. I'm not no, saying yeah, it's just a tear. I'm not one of those people that's like, we all need to just cry a little bit every day. <laughs> if it was up to me, I would not cry every day. And I didn't used to, but something like in my mid twenties broke and I became much softer. Dude, I think just having kids does that to yeah. you. Yeah. Oh man, having if y'all think I'm mean now, you should have you should have met me before <laughs> About ten years ago, <laughs> honestly, like, oh yeah, I, I was like, did not have an emotion really was, yeah. <laughs> before I had oh, kids. Yeah. They really, I don't know, um, they make you soft in great ways. Yeah, and of, I mean, of course, as you're sanctified, I think you find there is obviously there's like 
a level of softness where you like lose strength. But I think my word for it is like tenderness. Yes. But um, yeah, there's something that uh, I don't know, something that God something did changes. to me. There's a hormone where I just like yeah, I just didn't feel as hard and all like tied up. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, you could have a because it's in there. Yeah, it's in there. It's just like cinched. Yeah, so tight. It makes me think of there was this one. Um, not advocating for The Simpsons. Have not watched it in forever, but <laughs> used to like it. There's an episode where Lisa's like saying something about something hard about her day and Marge is like, honey, you're a woman. You can like push that down forever or something. (laughs) Isn't that just like a woman joke? But yeah, it is a woman joke. Praise God. uh, (laughs) He doesn't let us stay all bottled up and dysfunctional like that. I will say that something weird that's been happening to me lately is if I think about something that makes me really sad, my left hand will go numb. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I'll feel like this weird tingle yeah. in my left hand mm-hmm. for a second and it'll go numb and then it'll come right back. I but... mean, I can't, like, I can't relate, but uh, everything that I what know is that? about pregnancy, which is not everything, but it's some, I find it interesting. It's an interesting topic. Our, it's a truly amazing and intricate and when I say intricate, Strange. I just mean even just chemically intricate yeah. process. <laughs> and it does not surprise me the diversity and just of intensity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really uh Yeah. It for all the little sound bites that that you always hear about pregnancy, there's for one sound bite that you always hear, like, oh, get sleep while you still can't, you know, like yeah. the ones you always hear that are very common. Yeah. There's like 10 things that you're like, what, what you didn't, you didn't think I would want to know about that. <laughs> I know. Duh. Obviously I'm not going to sleep, I know. but you didn't think it'd be important. You didn't think, you didn't think like I would want to know that I could develop spontaneous carpal tunnel <laughs> right? and have my hands go numb every night. Right. Seems like something like someone would have passed Thought that on. This. I know. <laughs> The other day, I, well, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, but um, one of my friends was telling me these symptoms she was having, like she really was not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And what was so funny was that the conclusion that we came to was she could have been pregnant or had the Rona. Right. <laughs> and it was like, well, and she was like, wait, that could be a pregnancy symptom. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then she said something else. And I was like, also could have that also due to pregnancy. That. I don't know. You never know. One thing coronavirus and pregnancy have in common is that everything Everything. is a symptom of it. Everything also could be pointing. Is it weird? Is it uncomfortable? Is it unpleasant? Could be pregnancy. (laughs) Could be corona. (laughs) You just have no way of knowing. Does food taste weird? Coronavirus or pregnancy? (laughs) These are really your options. Yeah. (laughs) And they both take a test. They both figure it out. There's both at home tests for these. Hopefully only one is positive at one time because both being positive not yeah so we don't fun. wish that on people no no not at all anyway you can leave us a voicemail tell us about your weird pregnancy symptoms 470 oh man are we about to hear it i know 465-0475 man it's just weird because when i post this episode i will have already in- i will already have given birth which it's just a horrible thing 
It's horrible. <laughs> it's just awful. <laughs> I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> I was just... It's so funny that you say that because I was about to say I wish pregnancy on anyone listening. No, pregnancy is fine. It's great. Oh, just birth. Just the birth part is really, I already told you once this week, if they could just knock me out, put me under and wake me up and be like, here's your baby. Yeah. I would sign up for that. They did used to do that. I know. I was meant to live in another time. They did stop for a reason. I was meant to live in another time, (laughs) Joy. That's. That's what I know about birth. Um, <laughs> hate it. <laughs> and maybe if there had been no fall, yeah, we wouldn't. Eve. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> have we ever blamed Eve on this podcast before? Only as a joke. It's obviously all Adam's fault. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> anyway. There's um, gonna be someone. Someone was listening to this episode. It's like their first episode yeah, ever. Yeah, they're like, "Who are these?" And well, no, they're gonna be like, "I've heard solid things." I'm gonna take a listen. Their husband's gonna walk in at that point and be like, "Uh, yeah, you're, you're not, not allowed to watch to that the show anymore." To that anymore. <laughs> uh, it was all in jest. Just fast forward through this part, anyway. Um, <laughs> I I feel like we've we've kind of t- tackled this topic a little bit before, but it's been a while. And uh, hopefully it's uh, t- it's timely. This is something I keep running into. And it's a practice that, uh, well, if you're not good at it, interpersonal relationships are going to be very difficult. Um, and this is knowing the difference, I think, between being nice and being kind. Okay. And being able to... Not just know the difference, but then live accordingly. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of well-meaning Christians do not have a category for how Jesus could be described as gentle and lowly and also be the guy that went around with a whip um, overturning tables. And if you don't have these distinctions in your own life, if you don't have these categories straight, then Jesus is going to seem like he flew off the handle to you when you come across these passages where he says harsh words, does harsh things. He's going to seem very foreign to you. That's not a good thing. And it will be hard to look and live and act like Jesus if you don't have these categories straight. I also think, I mean, this is definitely an aside, but I think in our culture, we are very prone um, to have certain opinions about any man, any male Mm. that is like acting out in a... Aggressive. Right. Oh, yeah. So... I think that has a lot to do with why we are surprised that yeah, Jesus would be capable yeah. of um yeah, being very masculine and I guess confrontational and the ultimate um, man. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think too it's just interesting cuz we've like tried to feminize Jesus. I'm yes. just going to say it. 
I think they're, they're depending on what stream of Christian Christianity you come from, or maybe even just your own personal temperament. Um, you might have a hard time thinking of Jesus as the lion and the lamb, mm-hmm. or you might tend to think more Jesus as the lion or more Jesus as the lamb. Right. And I think that, like I said, can have a lot to do with maybe your personal temperament, what kind of like church background, what your father was like, what not to get too um, psychoanalytical right. <laughs> on you, but sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, why is this so important? It's, this is so important, I think, particularly in our current cultural context. This is important, like I said, in your personal life. But the right. reason why I think it's also important in our current cultural context is that many Christians have lost their ability to speak truth to the people that need to hear it because they are very confused about what kindness really is, about what gentleness really is. And I can't remember who talked about this a lot several years ago, but just the idea that gentleness is only a virtue if you are capable of damage. So if you are not the kind of person that could actually inflict any sort of damage it's not really virtuous when you're gentle because you have no strength to utilize you have no wall there's no like withholding there's no like a monitoring if there's no i don't know capability of doing the opposite right yeah um why is it such a why is it such a sweet thing when you see dads with babies mm-hmm. and newborns and infants um well because you know that men in particular with their physical strength right. are capable of a lot of they could inflict a lot of damage right. but they're also capable of loving and caring for infants and women right. and family and the elderly and that's that's why why do you see pictures of um you know, firefighters and military people, men saving people from right. why are why is that so incredible? Because they're cap what they're doing is they're they're doing that lion and that lamb thing. Mm-hmm. They're gently carrying somebody's body out of a burning building. Right. Both of these abilities were required for the task at hand. And as Christians Both of those abilities are required for the task at hand. The ability to say something when it's difficult, to do the hard thing, Mm -hmm. to potentially inflict emotional damage. Yeah. um, In order to actually love someone and take care of someone well is something that, well, that's something that Jesus did. And that's something that we should be capable of. And I think we have just, we've totally lost that because like, we've wanted to neuter. I mean, we live in an egalitarian age, right? Right. <laughs> Everything's the same. Everything should just, nothing should have any bite to it at all. Um, and, you know, tell me how many of you out there, I know you're out there and listening, but you don't count, don't actually want your food to be salty or have any bite at all. Um, that's not a fun, that's not a fun world. And that's not a fun place to be. And that's not a fun person to live with. You know, if you live with the person that you know is never going to tell you the truth, 
Right. Because they they are so fearful of potentially offending that you'll never hear the truth from them. You can't like you can't fully trust what they say. Thank you. To no. you, especially if it was a situation where you were living with them, you couldn't. I mean, you wouldn't be able to trust. I mean, one of yep. the one of the um, biggest parts of being in a marriage. I'll go ahead and go there since we said living with a person. Yeah. Um, is like what? Just. I guess I'm, I can't think exactly of the word I'm <laughs> trying to describe, but uh, it's not necessarily like a benefit. But um, one of the things that happens that is so helpful is in terms of killing your sin is the fact that someone else can see you do your life and tell you <laughs> when you need to stop doing certain yeah. things in your life. Um, and if you if you are connected to someone... <laughs> And live, and if that person for you is someone who will never tell you, right, that you need to do something different, mm. you you can't trust them, right? Like you said, yeah. It's not like you think. It's not like you think they're always lying to you, but but yes, it's like every day you could look over and you could go, "Did I do something today that needed correction?" Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't know, right. It's not a kindness. No. And that's, I think, what a lot of people are missing in the conversation. And it makes me think of, I guess I'll go there too. Um, it makes me think of gentle parenting. <laughs> okay. Let's go there. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll be gentle. Now, yep. <laughs> uh, just everything I'm about to say. I understand the gentle parenting umbrella is a large... Right. Umbrella. If we're not talking about you, we're not talking about you. It We've said a, it once, we'll say it again. It has a whole range of meaning, and you might think that you're gentle parenting, and then talk to somebody who says they're gentle parenting, and you guys have different approaches, fine. Okay. I grant all of that. Um, but gentle parenting seems to be founded on the idea, essentially, that kids are not guilty of sin, and they just need behavior modification, and um, if you're a Christian, you don't believe that. Or you're arguing with the Bible. So kids don't, it's not like if your kid is just directed the right way, they will be cleansed of their sin. Right. Like if they just have the tools and the assistance. This is not true. Um, if you are, and here's, the, here's what I'm saying. If you're unwilling to treat your kid if you're not willing to treat your child as though what is true about them is true, that is not kind. No, that's that alternate reality we keep talking about. Yes. That's actually creating and fostering that yes. alternate reality. You are not helping your child grow into a mature Christian adult if you train them to view their sin as not sin. And the majority of what I hear coming out of the gentle parenting is like, oh, they just need to learn, you know, regulation or, oh, they just needed a nap or, oh, they just needed different kinds of food or, and, you know, Sometimes all of that might be th- true. Like, you know, I mean, sin is still, sin is sin, 
whether or not it was done in a tired or hungry moment. Yes. But if you equip your children with excuses. Right. You're one day you're going to have a 15 year old who throws a fit and then looks you dead in the eye and is like, I just didn't get enough sleep last night. And it's like, well, you taught them that when they right. were three. Right. Um, and again, you and I, we acknowledge all the time that sometimes what you need is a nap. Right. If you can't stop sinning and your <laughs> eyes are closing, please go to sleep. Please go to sleep. <laughs> However, um, you know, we you probably hear from your adult friends all the time how much, you know, I at least hear from adults all the time, conversations about how they wish that their parents would have... <laughs> Sorry, that buzzing really distracted me. I don't know what that is. Um, how they wish that their parents would have apologized or acknowledged yeah. that they were sinners our ac just turned on that's it's hot it's officially hot i have the i'll, I'll keep i'll keep going if you okay. want to deal with that yeah i yeah so i turned it to 80 so that's how hot it is <laughs> that's how hot it is in here right now so anyway moral of the story is you know speaking the truth about sin is the most kind thing that you can do, um, especially to your children and equipping that your children to be able to recognize sin in their life, name it, and then confess and repent it is how you <clears throat> train your children up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. If you do not teach your children to recognize their sin and confess and repent, you are not raising them and the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Well, and I question if your gentleness looks more like flattery. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just because yeah. if you don't actually have yeah. a standard by which you determine right. like what actually needs to be addressed, right? then that means your, your gentleness and your love for your kids comes across more as... Yeah. You like puffing them up. Yeah. And, and in a weird way, you think that it will benefit them. It does not. It will benefit their self-esteem or their desire to not sin and be obedient. Um, but that's not, I mean, trust me, when your children are obedient, I think you should shower them with affection. They should know that it is so pleasant. It's praiseworthy right. when you're obedient. Yes. <laughs> right. But that's the thing is like, it's just like, what is your air quotes gentleness looking yeah. like if you can't actually confront what is bad and wicked? Yeah. And I also think on that note, I think a lot of people, I hear this one a lot, that you should just kind of like, shower your kids like when they do something good you just bury them in compliments and listen I am not against building your children up or being encouraging but I will say that one thing that I really appreciate when I have just been very straightforward with my kids about this is obedience this is what pleases God this is disobedience this is what doesn't is I'm at a place with my six-year-old where you know, I told her this morning, I was like, please make sure you brush her hair. She has really long hair. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a chore to brush for a six-year-old. But I'm trying to train her to 
learn how to take care of it herself. Mm-hmm. It's we're in the we're taking baby steps anyway. Um, so I came back a couple minutes later, and she was sitting there, and she was taking her time, and she was doing her hair how I had asked her to do it, and she was being very pleasant about it. And I said, "Thank you so much for doing what I asked." And I just went back to brushing my teeth, and she looked at me, and she was like. Honestly, it's just the fifth commandment. So, <laughs> like, her her position was like, I'm, like, yeah, you're welcome, but like, this is what we this right. is what we do. Right. This is standard. Right. This is this the basic. She was right. basically saying to me, "This is the bare minimum. I'm yeah. doing the bare minimum, mm-hmm. mom," which was like obeying the fifth commandment, right? Because <laughs> God wanted me to. This wasn't for you. Like right. this was, you know. And it's like. Yeah, that should be the position that your kids have. Right. Um, it shouldn't be the rare moment that they obey. Like the standard pos- and they shouldn't obey just because they're waiting for 10,000 compliments. Yeah. The standard should be this is what you do and that's a kindness. You want your kids growing up thinking the bare minimum for my life <laughs> is the 10 commandments. That's the bare minimum. Right. <laughs> Um, and so anyway, I'm not, again, whatever your gentle parenting, whatever you think that looks like, I have seen plenty of examples in gentle parenting where there's a total denial in the name of being kind of the reality of sin and the death that it leads to. Um, and that is not a, what I'm saying is that's not a kindness. You're not doing your children a favor. No. Well, and we obviously live in a gentle parenting world. We. (laughs) Uh, And a very unparented world, to be honest. We can't. We're we're coexisting with people who are have deluded themselves into thinking the world is one way. Mm -hmm. And we're helping them by playing along. Is that a. Is this like a Bad don't idea. wake a sweep sleepwalker kind of thing? Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. <'cause... laughs> They'll be scarred. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and also like I just I guess it's interesting that I brought up the sleepwalking. You're not supposed to wake them up, I guess, because they like do something. It's like jarring. I've never for them. understood, but but okay. if, like I don't understand. <sighs> okay. Someone who doesn't know truth, mm-hmm. who is has no ears for truth Mm -hmm. whose vision is clouded Mm -hmm. shouldn't a saving knowledge be jarring shouldn't it isn't it a little bit ungentle (laughs) isn't it a lot (laughs) depending depend sometimes it's a little more um Mm -hmm. you know yeah smooth yeah than others yeah maybe you grew up in like a nominal christian home or a Christian home that just wasn't well discipled, and mm-hmm. then you found like, you mm-hmm. know, um, are well. But I just aren't don't... we told that like the gospel is the aroma of death to those who are parents? That's not right. gentle, right? It's not enjoyable. It's not like, oh, I hate God, and when I'm around His believers, I love it. Right. That's not, we're told that's not how it's going to go. That doesn't mean you yourself need to make yourself into an aroma of death. You can still be yeah, pleasant. Yeah, you are doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you ought to be pleasant. Right. <laughs> as you strive, as you bring the aroma of death, you should be aware. 
Right. That you're bringing an aroma of death um, to those who hate Christ. But ultimately, when you bring that aroma, you don't know who the believers are that could be listening, who are going to love that that aroma and who are going to be pleased by it and who yeah. are going to hear his voice. You don't know. Yeah. I d- it just doesn't seem like anything um, productive that we hear about in the Bible. It's not actually like we we're taught that this is the way you win people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see anything. I think I, I mean, it's to me, it kind of comes down to cowardice I do mm. think there's some different, I think, so, uh, it's not quite as simple as I'm going to just, like, put it out here now. But, <laughs> okay. Um, I think that speaking truth is the right thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes um, doing the right thing is hard. Yep. Sometimes we're just like asking for a pat on the back because of who we are. (laughs) We're just like, oh, did you hear what I have to do? (laughs) Yeah. And then we never even, some of us never even get past that point. We just feel bad for ourselves for a long time. Yep. Um, But I think the point, I guess, is that um, it's not just that sometimes doing the right thing is hard. It's just that sometimes... Sometimes doing the right thing requires a lot of bravery. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ha- it doesn't actually have anything to do with how people perceive you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about <laughs> saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, Being willing to be disliked. Right. Knowing, knowing that you're supposed to speak truth and not lies. Yeah. Um, I think... and. And I think that um, even, you know, if it was like an interpersonal thing, it's going to require some bravery mm-hmm. for you to approach someone and tell them something mm-hmm. that they may not want to hear. Mm-hmm. I think we have this weird, I think our brain like shuts off after that point. Mm-hmm. All that exists is you delivering that truth and then the world ends. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> there is no conversation. Right. There is no so it's a little bit out of touch. Yep. Um, I, I think that there is a little bit of delusion there. You are not fully thinking through how it's going yeah. to go. I mean, especially if you were approaching a friend even. Um either like you don't know that they're gonna take you out of their life. Right. You don't there's lots of presumption. Yeah. Your your assumption is that you know everything. Yeah. You presume what other people, how other people will respond, yeah. what they will say and think. And then you, in order to mold their response, uh, mm-hmm. behave accordingly. Mm-hmm. You are, you are just not, that's, you're playing the wrong role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, it is not your job to mm-hmm. determine what people are going to think or how they're going to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there are factors there mm-hmm. like being pleasant and being respectful. Those things are going to have a different effect than 
Sometimes. Punching someone in the face. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> um, sometimes they will not. Yeah. I think a general a general rule that I have, uh, particularly on social media where or just in any public space, I will never say anything that I'm not willing to get thrashed for. So it's not worth saying to me if I'm not willing to get trashed for it. And the reason why that's my litmus test is that it's just if if what I'm saying is so vanilla right. that no one could possibly argue with it, or if they did, I would want to take it back, then I'm probably not being honest. Right. I'm probably not saying something even worth wasting the breath or the typing on. And I think a lot of people don't live that way. And maybe that's why sometimes I end up getting in trouble with the things that I say. But like a standard principle of mine is I'm only going to say something if I'm willing to just get absolutely maligned for it. And you mean like on social media even? Anywhere. Yeah. Any Anywhere. Which is a different medium than having a face-to-face conversation so we agree that that um you know how to deliver truth comes Mm -hmm. in different oh yeah the way that you hopefully the way that you write or say something online is not necessarily the way you'd say it in a right coffee shop or a one-on-one um you know obviously different settings call for a different kind of conversation right uh street evangelism passing out tracks when we go to pass out tracks to Mormons on the street and I have literally three and a half seconds, right? it's going to sound different than when they come knocking on my door and I invite them inside right. to sit on my couch. Yeah. It's a different setting. It's a different level of urgency. Um, one is much more intimate and personal and we're shaking hands and we're looking each other in the eye. And sure, sometimes that happens on the street, but far right. less often. It's way different. Um, but at the end of the day, what I say to the person on the street and what I say to the person on my couch is going to have the same principles, same philosophy, same foundations, and I am totally willing to be hated for it. Right. And if you're not, then if you're not willing to be hated for something truthful that you're saying, you shouldn't be saying it. You just shouldn't be saying it because what's going to happen, because I can tell you what happens, is people are... People are like, especially in like comment sections, they're like, nah, mm, rewrite that. Take that back. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, no. If I wanted to say it differently, I would have said right. it differently. Right. Like I'm willing to be and I'm willing to be misunderstood. I don't think it's a kindness to care so much for everybody else's feelings and emotions and perceptions that you're never willing to say something difficult. That's not kindness. It's, that's fear well, of and man. It's just not possible. It's not, yeah. And that's what I, I think that's what I'm, I'm getting to with the, the bravery thing. I think that, um, I think we have, okay. So our culture believes that they engage or interact only by choice. Like we, we enter into these Mm. 
like everything we do is by our consent and our choice. Mm-hmm. We can thank Russo for that. Yes. As we have yes, learned we in total truth. Social contracts. So there are, are no like overarching duties or requirements except for ones that you choose. Right. Um. So like the mentality I think is like bravery shouldn't be required of me because I never agreed to that. I never agreed yeah. that I needed to, to be brave, to be brave. <laughs> I never agreed to, uh, I did not consent disrupt to this difficult... my family dinner yeah. with, with truth. I never, yeah. I like, I, I don't want to, that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, I mean, we whine about how much bravery is required of us. Um, we change the meaning of the word brave. We change the meaning of the word right and wrong. We have just done such immense gymnastics to get out of just telling people what the Bible says. Oh, yeah. And after decades of gymnastics, mm-hmm. we're all scared and weak <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Uh, unequipped right. to say what's true yeah our only definition of kindness is never is no one ever ever having an upset feeling never being a never having a a, a emotional not even emotional distraught for half a second that's how that's our measurement of what is good and kind right or gentle and lowly honestly yeah like by this definition christ was not kind and if that's what your definition necessarily leads you to, then you need to redefine it by scripture. You need to realign with what scripture would define these things right. as. Because if your definition of gentle and lowly can't cover someone who says difficult things, um, your view of Jesus is going to be wrong. Right. And of your view of what you should be doing as his ambassador is going to be right. wrong. You're as gonna well. be a little wimpy. A lot wimpy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's what we're and, seeing. Right. And that's why this this mindset is accompanied by this Jesus, this version of Jesus that is that like hippie surfer Jesus that it's just like he looks more like a new age pagan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a wimp. Yeah. He's not a man. Yeah. He's not the real Jesus. And it's just, it's super important that you, you know, we've kind of hit on all areas that you can be trusted by the people you live with to be truth, truthful, kind, gentle. Um, well, what, what word would you describe to use someone that doesn't want to say what's true? Coward. Or a liar. Liar. Well, same thing. I know, but that's what I mean. Like, yeah, there's nothing like more you cowardly have no than tolerance being a liar. For, if you have so little tolerance for what's true that you're willing to change the definition of truth, yeah, you're a coward. Yeah, yeah. They go. They you're go looking for anything to hide behind. Mm-hmm. Anything. Mm-hmm. You're scared. Mm-hmm. You are scared. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're a Christian listening to this, you don't need to be. Right. There's nothing in the scripture that would tell you to run away in fear. Right. Um, what would tell you to run away in fear is your perception. Mm-hmm. And that's relying. You're relying on you. Yeah. 
for strength. Yeah. Um, please stop looking to yourself for strength. Yeah. Maybe that's why we have so many wimpy people because mm-hmm. we think we've accessed some strength inside of ourselves and that strength is wimpy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, this is really comes down to, are you fearing God or fearing man? Right. What are you, what are you afraid of? Um, a lot of it as well as just pride. Be, I think uh, cowards are extremely prideful. Yeah. Um, they're not willing that they are more important than truth. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you want to be brave, fear God, right? Like if you want to be firmly planted, fear God, seek to please him. And these other silly fears will dissolve away because there is no greater fear than a fear of God. And it, it really does give you a sure footing to stand on when, when you practice boldness, and bravery the story actually plays out instead of you just ending it in your mind and the world has ended when mm-hmm. you you know uh, well i told i told my friend that there are no there are not many ways to god mm-hmm. and then the world ended right no that <laughs> like, won't happen that didn't happen in your actual <laughs> practice you will see that that won't happen that's not how it goes <laughs> <laughs> perfect Okay. But if you don't ever practice it, you can we can convince ourselves yeah of a lot of things. Oh yeah, aren't we so good at that? Like re <laughs> like writing the end of the story before we get there. Mm-hmm. We're very good at that. Oh yeah. That's not reality. No. Particularly us women. Yes. We are always writing the ending that we think is coming. <laughs> and then crying. About it. And then crying about it. <laughs> and <then> it's sad. <laughs> and then my left hand goes numb. Okay. <laughs> You can leave us a voicemail. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you. Um, join book club. That's at patreon.com slash theologians. Joy's doing something fun over there. I'm at home with my baby. Um, and uh, All yeah. is well. All is, yeah. Oh, is it? <laughs> or am I writing a horrible story? <laughs> All right. That is it for this week, you guys. And we will see you next week. See ya. See ya.